Welcome to Game In Going Deeper, a podcast series by the Game In's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. We are your hosts. Michael Diorio is a life and wellness coach specializing in sexuality, relationships, and self-confidence. Reno Johnson is a spiritual life, love, and business coach. And I'm Matt Lancedal, an intuitive life and spiritual coach and counselor specializing in healing and empowerment. We each have our own coaching practice, but in this podcast, we are sharing all of our best stuff with you guys. So today we are talking about work-life balance. <clears throat> and boy, do I have a lot of things to share on this topic. <laughs> and not my best asset, but I'm going to share what I've learned today on my struggles with, with trying to do this. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, the three, we have three questions that we're going to be unpacking. Um, how have you experienced burnout in your life? And what unhealthy habits of yours contributed to that burnout? What does balance mean to you? And what boundaries do you put in place to ensure a work-life balance? And we'll continue these discussions on the last Thursday of every month in the Game Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangout, where you'll have a chance to share your own experiences. Please remember that this podcast and YouTube channel are listener and viewer supported. If you enjoy what we are creating, you can support us by making a donation to the show using the link in the show notes. You can also subscribe to the early access option on Apple podcast, listen ad free and gain early access to episodes. All your support helps us to continue making content for you and supporting our community. And we do thank you in advance. Lastly, if you're looking to accelerate your personal development journey, check out our new coaching collection because it's not really new anymore. <laughs> check out our coaching collection, uh, learn how to heal and empower yourself at your own pace by getting instant access to 45 plus premium personal development coaching videos created by us, as well as our Healing Your Shame and Building Better Relationships courses. And you can head over to GameAndGoingDeeper.com for more information on that. All right, um, work-life balance. So what is work-life balance? It's pretty pretty self-explanatory, but I think it's more layered than people might think. Um, so, you know, you look at things, some definitions would be having a harmonious relationship between your work life and your personal life. That seems to be the most standard definition. Um, managing your time and energy and prioritizing self-care, which takes having boundaries. So work-life balance really is our relationship with our boundaries, our relationship with our needs. Um, it's an act of self-respect. Um, so we look in, we're looking really at input versus output. Right. Uh, if you're somebody that has a, 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 a lot of responsibility in your work life, there's a lot of output. How can you replenish the well? Right. That's really what work life balance is here. And it's going to look differently for everybody, uh, depending on like if you are a CEO and you're working 60 hours a week, you know, work life balance might be a little different for you than somebody um, that has a bit more of a casual job. So um, one of the, the impacts of not having work-life balance is burnout. Um, I know this all too well. I've had a couple periods of burnout in my career and uh, I've had to learn lots of boundaries and self-care and things to deal with that. Um, for some people, a lack of work-life balance can come from something like perfectionism or overachieving. Um, and these uh, could be mechanisms that we use to cope with shame. As gay men, if we have a foundation of shame, we grew up feeling toxic shame, we might use these uh, protectors 
from having to feel our shame, which could be overachieving perfectionism, overcompensation, and uh, it could lead to burnout, which is the story that I'll be sharing uh, throughout this episode for myself. Um, you know, when we're talking about work-life balance, I think we're also talking about our relationship to worthiness, um, our relationship to our own value, and honoring our needs, right? Um, if we are denying our needs, or we are seeking worthiness outside of ourselves in our work, then there's a high likelihood of burnout. I think we come from a culture that teaches us um, that the more that we do, the more valuable we are. And there's a high and heavy em emphasis on doingness uh, and less on beingness. It's that, you know, going to the the um, expressing our masculinity and the, and the, the divine masculine energy. Um, you know, if we have an imbalance in that, we do, 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 do. We, you know, our to-do list is huge and we're doing more and more and more and, and suddenly we'll, we'll end up burning out. So we have to examine the cultural conditioning, um, you know, maybe looking at where this comes from. Why do we have this belief system around the more we do, the more we hustle, the more worthy we are, right? Did our parents teach us that? Um, did our government teach us that? Did our school system teach us that? Is our work environment teaching us that? I know corporate... Um, the corporate world can be very much like that. It's like you work 12 hours, you're a superstar, right? You're not taking care of yourself. You're a superstar and you get really, you know, you get validated in that respect. Um, so I think we're going to be talking today about the balance between beingness and doingness and, and incorporating that in. And then I want people to think about this because this is, you know, when I was thinking about the, this topic, what I was analyzing is my relationship to rest, and I want, I want everybody to think about that. What is your relationship to rest, which is one polarity? And what is your relationship to work, right? Some people might be looking at this through the lens of they are a workaholic. So they need to, they need to change their relationship to rest. And then some people might be listening to this and they might be thinking, well, you know, I'm so lazy. I don't do anything. I'm, maybe you're stuck in a depression, right? And what's your relationship to work when you're feeling like that, right? So there's two polarities. And what we're trying to do is create balance between these two polarities, so, yeah, that's my little monologue. Hopefully that opens up some some minds and hearts to uh, this conversation. And uh, we'll hop right in. So the first question is, how have you experienced burnout in your life? And what unhealthy habits of yours contributed to this burnout? Hmm. <laughs> Let's go with Reno. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> so last year um about six months into the year mm -hmm. i was coaching and um you know i had some things on the go and i started noticing that i was feeling less energized less amped up about my work and mm -hmm. um you know, showing up for my clients and just producing in general any sort of output. I was like, I'm I'm not into this right now. And one of the things that I had said is I there was the sense that, and actually I'll use the word performance as well, because there was this sense that I had lost my professional libido. And <clears throat> I tried to rationalize it and understand why that was happening. 
And it just became very clear to me that I needed to step back from everything that I was up to. And that was not an easy decision. And that decision required some courage as well, because, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say unfortunately, but what I'll say is like, we exist in a world that in some, in some ways, in many ways requires that we um, generate some sort of income in whatever way makes sense to us in order to be able to sustain ourselves. Unless you happen to be living off grid or in an ashram and volunteering um, or in some space that's set up so that you're not required to exchange money for um, for livelihood, you know? And so I spent the good part of six months in this liminal space where I had no idea what was coming next. Um, I had no, more or less, I had no income coming in. And um, I found myself in kind of a depression, which was something that I don't know if I'd actually experienced before, like versions of it, flavors of it, but but not, not depression. Like I had never... I'd never said like, oh, I'm depressed before. This was the first time that I really had the sense that that's something I might be experiencing. Hmm. And so I sat with all of that um, for quite a while, again, not knowing what was coming next. And, um, and then at some point as the year ended, and one thing I'll say is that I found myself in a bout of what I learned was called um, passive suicidation. And so there was no intent, there was no intent to, um, to act on it. Uh, it was more just this feeling that I could just slip out um, and, and it would be easy. And I would probably feel better and less burdened by societal and cultural and social demands, the demands of life, you know, Um. And so I reached out to some people and I talked to them about it. And I just, you know, a few people I trusted wouldn't freak out if I shared this with them. Cause I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, kill myself. I just need to talk to somebody. Right. And, um, and so I did, and that was really helpful. Um, what happened next surprised me. And, and that is that I found myself in um, in a town hall and after a couple of meetings, I invited to email some people and after a couple of meetings, I was offered a position as the executive director for an erotic school. Um, I've since resigned from that role, but I find myself now and, you know, the last six months, more specifically now in this moment, um, in this space where creativity and energy and inspiration are pouring into me and pouring out of me. And I think were it not for that space and that time to just allow myself to be like without being productive, without performing, because, you know, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up here. But there are people that talk about struggling with um, 
performance anxiety in the bedroom. And one of the things that I've learned about um, that occurrence is that there's a sort of disembodiment and there's a lot of thinking and a lot of ideas about performance and producing and, and putting on and getting things right. And when we allow ourselves to let go of that and to just kind of be with what is and allow what's there to be there and meet the moment and meet and validate the experience we're having, it's like all of a sudden it starts to diminish and disintegrate. And suddenly there's room for what's behind that to flow. And mm -hmm. so I'm in that space in that season right now where it's finally starting to pour out of me again, you know? So um, that's just one of my experiences. And I've, I mean, I've experienced burnout and breakdown before, you know, that's just the most recent, but let what I share be a testament to our capacity for uh, resilience, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Thanks, Reno. That was great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, relate to that. What about you, Michael? Yeah, great topic. I'm really excited that we decided to do this. Uh, this topic. What's the topic of the month? Is it work? Oh, purpose. Yes, it's about purpose and work. Yeah. 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 So this kind of goes off of the heels of our uh, finding your purpose episode. So yeah, I'm really excited that we decided to do this. We haven't talked about <clears> this in all of our episodes. Um, it's nice to kind of go into this. So I guess I want to start with uh, Matt. You had talked about you know relation relationship with work and relationship with rest. I like that. I like the way you kind of put that out there. So my relationship with work previously, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, um, is that it was something that you did for forty hours a week to get paid to do things and live your life and pay your mortgage and pay your bills. You need it every day until you're sixty five, and then you can finally stop. And you can retire, and then you can enjoy life. That's the way that my my that was brought up. That's how my my grandparents and parents worked, and everyone in my family. So it's like this, like oh, thing you have to do. Cool. Um, so I equated it with forty hour work weeks, long commutes, annoying bosses, doing things I didn't really want to do for a company that I didn't really care too much about, and they certainly didn't care about me. But I got paid, and I got to buy things, nice things, and do good stuff. So. Um, <coughs> excuse me, it was all worth it. But then <clears throat> along my journey, so I worked in the corporate world for about 13 years. I think I've, I've told everyone that here, right? So <laughs> I shit on it a lot, but I will say for the first 10 years, I actually liked it quite a bit. It was pretty good. I liked the culture, I liked the people. I met some of my best friends there. I learned a lot. It was only in that last little bit that it became really toxic. So I'll just preface with that. I'm not shitting all over it. And I'm sure there are some companies out there that are great and wonderful to work for. Mine didn't happen to be one of those. So as we get older, we realize there's no guarantee for tomorrow. There's no guarantee you'll make it to 65. There's no guarantee that even once you do get to 65, that the world is going to be a place worth living, worth traveling, that you're going to be in good health, that you're going to have the things you want to have. So I remember I was, let's see, how old was I? I was about 30, 31. And I was working at this company and I was kind of climbing that ladder. I was, I was at the stage where I was about to become a manager and they were kind of dangling the carrot and the stick as companies do. Ooh, here's this promotion. You get to have more money. And I wanted it on one level from like that competitive, oh, I want to get this. I want this title. I want to be a manager. That's so cool. I was only like 30 years old at the time. I would have been the youngest manager at the company at the time. And I really wanted that. I just wanted that, like, I wanted that title for myself. For reasons we don't have to get into right now. But anyway, but also 
I really wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. And I had taken all my vacation. I remember this very well. I'd taken all my vacation. And the most we could take at a time was like <coughs> three weeks at that company. So I had taken my three weeks and I was like, okay, well, that's not enough. I want more than that. I want like months. I want months at a time. And so I said, okay, well, I can, I can, I can, I've saved up, oh, I've saved up enough money. I could do a unpaid sabbatical. So I go into my boss's office, vice president, and I'm like, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to take a sabbatical. I want to go here. I want to go to Thailand. I was all excited. And she's like, that's career suicide. You're never going to get a manager position if you do that. And I was like, what? Why? Like, how is this possible? Um, I'm like, what's the difference? Like, I'm still, I'm still me. I still have the talent. I still got the work ethic. I still got stuff. In fact, I'll come back well rested. And like, I'll hit the ground fucking running. Like, you should see what I'll be able to do once you give me a little bit of rest. So she's like, I can't deny you this because it's unpaid leave. I sh and my job will be there when I get back. But she's like, reputationally, it's career suicide. Hmm. And I thought, well, it, I'd rather kill my career than kill my soul, which is what I would have done if I stayed. So I went. I went on this two-month uh, sabbatical. I went to Southeast Asia. Was the best thing I've ever done, and then I came back, and that was the moment I realized. Because at that time, this, this relates to Bruno. Because at that time, I had kept not getting that promotion. They kept dangling, dangling it in front of me, but not happening. And I was like, "Well, fuck it. Why am I here? Like, get me out of here." Um. So it was at that stage of burnout. I was working really hard, kind of like you had said, Matt, trying to impress. Like, yeah, look, I I stayed until seven last night, and I was here at seven today. And like, look at me, look at me sending emails really late at night. La, 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 la. Like as if it was this badge of honor of how busy I was. Um, but eventually that that kind of hit me and I was tired. I was not happy. That's it. Simple as that. So I did the sabbatical when I came back. I was like, okay, that was kind of the beginning for me when I got to see like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to live this way. I don't have to have this relationship with work. So when I came back, I still, you know, was there for a few more years after that. But it really changed the way I saw things to a point eventually a few years later when I actually left for good and became an entrepreneur. But we could talk a bit more about that later. So I guess that's that was my first um, instance of burnout. And I will say now my my relationship to work has completely changed um, as an entrepreneur doing something I love um, that I'm very passionate about versus doing something that I had to do to get paid for a company that really just cared about their bottom line and could give less than a shit about me. Yeah. Hmm. That's really powerful. That's a powerful quote. I'd rather kill my career, career than kill, kill my, my soul. soul. Yeah. Mm, that really hit home for me. That was such a beautiful, beautiful quote. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a very awkward meeting because I did respect my boss very much. And I think she was used to, I think anyone who can, who's been in corporate can relate to this. If you're a people pleaser, high achiever, um, they love us. They love us people pleaser, high achievers in that world because they know we're going to give our all and we will burn ourselves out because we want those titles. We want that. We want that. We want to we want that. Right. And I think they know that on some level and they really do take advantage of those people the most. Again, speaking from my personal experience, but I have a feeling I'm not the only one out there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I have, I got two periods of burnout that I can share. One is recent and one is in the past. So um, I think I was 26 when I left government, the government, I was working with the government as a mental health and addictions counselor in the jail, actually. And um, I decided after two years of doing that role that I wanted to leave and start a private practice. And uh, so I did. And, uh, you know, 
Mr. Optimistic, rose-colored glasses, me. It was like, it's going to be thriving and I'll have all these clients. It'll be fantastic. And yeah, no, it wasn't like that at all. Um, it was a grind, a really tough grind. And I wasn't making ends meet for the first year. And uh, so I was working with my aunt, helping her with landscaping one day a week. And then on the weekends, I was working 16-hour shifts both days. Okay, Saturday and Sunday at a group home setting and um, with very troubled children and youth, I should say. Um, so I would start Monday already burnt out. And then I'd have the whole week that I'd have to operate, hustling, getting out, meeting people, put, you know, marketing. So I basically put myself into a nervous breakdown and had to go on medication for the first time of my life. Um, it was hard. It was a really hard period for me. And um, I, ended up leaving the profession of counseling and going into fitness and nutrition. And I moved cities. I moved to Vancouver. I also went through a really terrible breakup at that time from my long-term relationship. I was with him for eight years um, and we lived together and stuff. So it was just like every, my world imploded basically. And um, I think what I had learned was, yes, I was taking on too much, but I think I had um, well, they call it, in in counseling they call it compassion fatigue but i don't know if mine was compassion fatigue i actually think it was empathy fatigue and i see compassion as being with somebody i see empathy as being in you're in right and as an empath i'm in like when i feel somebody i'm in, i'm in it with them and i've had i've spent most of my career learning um, separateness, energetic separateness, because I literally can feel like I merge with people. It's a really interesting thing. I, I've taken, it's taken me a long time in my life to develop a, 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 a sovereign sense of self because my sense of self came very much from my world around me. Um, being empathic and being able to feel people, that became my external focus. And then adding, having trauma, childhood trauma on top of that, I had hypervigilance. So I, I had to be outside myself monitoring for, you know, the next episode, the next chaotic thing that was going to happen in my childhood. It was um, so I, I learned to have almost like an external reference point and um, I became highly attuned to other people's needs and very quickly unattuned to my own needs. And that was challenging, very challenging for me um, because not being attuned to my own needs. I'm not connected to my own body. I'm not connected to what's going on in my system that I need to listen to it to be able to say, okay, I'm burnt out. I need rest. So I was very dissociated, very disconnected from myself. That's one side of my flavors. And then the other side of my flavors is really struggling with a lot of shame and my two vehicles to getting away from my shame was perfectionism and overachievement. And there's one side to it that, yeah, I've achieved a lot in my life. I've, um, I'm a hustler and I, I've done a lot of good things career-wise and, um, but I've, I got away from listening, truly listening inward and, you know, being like, okay, am I doing this for me or am I doing this for other people? So I've been very outer centric out like focusing on you know how are people going to respond to me are people going to think I'm worthy and like that that sort of thing I got caught in that mentality um you know and I think it's a form of codependency it's uh looking at how my worth can come from within my relationships or how people perceive me the mirror that they give back to me um so I would say that's my unhealthy habits that contributed to my burnout is really you know hyper focusing 
on the needs of others. And, you know, I remember when I was younger, um, it's probably like eight or nine and my, my father left and my mom, my mom sat me down and I remember she said to me, she's like, you're now the man of the house. And I was, she, and she'd be like, you're my main man. That's what she would always call me. And I'm like a nine-year-old boy, you know, that's a big burden. That's some heavy energy to take on your shoulders, but I took it on and I wore it like a badge of honor. And in that moment I knew I'm like, okay, well, it's no longer about me. Right. It's like this weird, like I have to provide, or I have to be there for, for, you know, my mother and my sister. And so I really internalized this and you know, it doesn't surprise me that I went into counseling and I went into serving people, which I, I do think it's my purpose, but some of it comes from my trauma, right? And 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 so I have this really deep-seated thing of not wanting to let people down and feeling like I always have to say yes and be there for people. It's this, you know, and in the last year, I've been submitted by the universe into a, a pretty gnarly depression and um, a lots of trauma healing, and I haven't had capacity or bandwidth. So I've had to say no, and I've had to be with the disappointing of disappointing people. And, uh, you know, that brings up a lot of stuff for me. It's like, um, because my worth came from being there for people and meeting other people's needs. So it's like, when you can't do that because you've been submitted, you're not just sitting with the disappointment of, of, you know, disappointing others. You're sitting with the unworthiness because my drug, which, you know, codependence, their drug is people. My drug is, is, is no longer, you know, it's no longer hooked up. <laughs> and uh, so it's been challenging. And then, you know, I, I, to, to talk about my most recent episode of burnout is like, I just went this whole year without holidays, I literally 365 days without holidays. And then finally I took four weeks off and I learned a really valuable lesson that I can't do this work without taking care of myself. And I thought I had learned that the last time, but it's interesting how this stuff is, it feels pathological for me almost, you know? Um, so the first two weeks of my holidays, I just felt like kind of like KO'd, you know? And then I, I had two weeks of rest and then I came back about 75% recharged. But so I have a new, I have a new uh, system that I'm going to be operating with, um, which I'll talk about in the next question. But uh, yeah, I feel complete. I'll leave it there for now. All right. So what does balance mean to you? Yo, this is so good. I love this. I'm obsessed with this conversation. Matt, <laughs> thank you week. so much. What's that? We say that every week, but it's so true. No, for real. It's so fun. <laughs> I, I can't say it enough. It's so much fun. And also I wanted to say earlier, Matt, you like killed the opening of this mm -hmm. as you do, oh, as you both do. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Balance. So. so I was thinking about like, like, who am I? Who am I being? And what am I up to when I'm balanced? So when I think of someone who's like, who's balanced, right? I think of someone who rests in like, who rests in and embodies spiritual security, right? Like that is someone who, who recognizes this sort of grace and support that I believe in my own experience is like ever present, you know? Um, and proof of that is the fact that like, I'm, I'm here right now, you know, beyond my thinking about like what I have and don't have what I what I want to think I want and, and don't want like, I'm good, you know, in this just in this exact moment, I have everything I need, 
in this moment, you know, and I am everything I need to be for this moment, you know, and, and, and I am supported. And like, to me, that is like spiritual security. And to me, that supports me being balanced. Um, someone who is balanced is, is someone who like, and this is to kind of piggyback on what I just said, like lives, lives from the inside out. You know, they're a person who is present, who prioritizes presence. You know, they're a person who is grounded, connected, responsive. You know, they prioritize their time, their yeah. energy, their experience, their expression, their needs, right? This is someone who is balanced. Um, someone who is balanced is someone who says yes when they mean yes and no when they mean no, which can be really hard you know, which can require courage and vulnerability because it it's, it's, it's hard. Um, and I know this firsthand, there's so many times where I'm like, why the fuck did I say yes to that? Like, I didn't actually want to go to that thing or I didn't actually want to do that. Like, I don't, yeah. And, and I think a big part of it has to do with me just feeling insecure about like disappointing people or, you know, like what if they don't like me or what if they don't invite me again? Or what if I have no friends or sometimes it's fear of boredom, you know, I just don't want to be bored. So I say yes to shit. And then I'm like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. I just want to be at home chilling in my sacred space and recharging, you know, and saying yes to something that's like, like a full bodied yes. Like, fuck yeah, let's go for a hike. I'm game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, balance to me is like, is, 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 is not giving from a deficit, but giving from overflow. And like, that's one I really struggled with because I watched the women in my life, bless their hearts. And actually some of the men too, to be honest, um, give from a deficit or try to give from a deficit and then burn out and resent and be manipulative in the ways that they attempted to sort of like regain some energy and autonomy and resource, you know? And it was like, well, like what I saw was and continue to grow into, I don't get this right all the time, but you know, mine is to, mine is to cultivate, mine is to capture like, like inspiration, prioritize my experience and like capture abundance and energy and all of that. And then from an overflow, you know, to give um, that, that to me is like a balanced person. Hmm. Um, and then, and then I guess there are a few other things I would say to that, which is like presence and sobriety. You know, I, I'm three months sober now. And um, that was as of yesterday from alcohol. Yeah. And I'm really excited about that. And one of the things I noticed is that like addiction's a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. And, and, and like, Matt, you were talking about codependency, there's alcohol, there's like addiction to thought, there's addiction to work, there's addiction to technology, to food. I mean, I'm like, call me bold, but I would say that if you exist, like, you're navigating some form of addiction, you know, mm -hmm. subtle or like, mm -hmm. explicit, blatant. Um, and so for me, I've just started to see the benefit of sobriety because it gives way to presence and it gives way to balance, you know, um, eliminating distraction is another one. And I just think our addictions are distractions, you know, 
our addictions are our distractions. And so I think a balanced person is actively and perhaps even fiercely engaged in like in like releasing and relinquishing distraction from their lives. And again, prioritizing what is life giving and what is what is most relevant and resonant, because what is most relevant and resonant is is most sacred, you know, and. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. I'll like step down from my soapbox now, <laughs> um, but I'm super passionate about this topic. I love it. I can tell you're passionate. And I love it because you just inspired so much. And I. I yeah, I, I I I think everything you're saying is 100% true, and I would agree with you on that. And I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people as well. And even Matt, what you're saying, like I feel like I have so many ideas, and I have to just like constrain myself to focus on one right now because you guys both hit on so many great things that I hadn't even considered. So again, it's another reason I love this podcast with you guys. Um, okay, so I guess what I want to share is a conversation I had with one of my really good friends. Um, we just both turned 40 this year. So we went out for dinner, just the two of us. And we've known each other for 20 years. So um, she is a C-suite bigwig. She's the top of the food chain in her industry. Um, and we were talking about, you know, life and love and business and things, the things we talk about. And we we're talking about what will 40 years from now look like, right? It's a question we love to ask. And she was, she said immediately, like, oh yeah, I'm not working. Once, once I make enough money, I'm done, finished. And I'm like, I would still be working. Like, I want to be 80 years old and 100% working for sure. Now, does that mean stressed? No. Does that mean working out of obligation? Absolutely not. Right. And and it just spoke to kind of her her world versus my world now as an entrepreneur. Our ideas of work are very different, kind of like I had said earlier. Her work drains her to a big degree. Yes, it's very purposeful. Yes. But it's very draining in that world. And I get why. There's a lot of pressure on her. My work can sometimes feel draining from time to time. I'm not saying it's always feel like fulfilling, but overall it's very fulfilling. So the way I the way I want to have my relationship with work, the way I, I aim to 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 relate with work is in a way that it fuels me more than drains me. Because I do love to work. I love it. I really do. I I, I it's in my nature. I like working hard. I like uh, creating, uh, and I definitely work. <clears throat> Here's the funny thing. I work harder now, I think, as an entrepreneur than I did any time when I was working in corporate, but it does not even feel nearly as terrible or awful or soul-sucking at all. And I think this speaks to the, our last episode about purpose. Because my work, thankfully, is tied to what I believe is my purpose, yes, I'm working hard and I'm, I'm working a lot sometimes, but it doesn't feel bad, right? I'm in alignment with that work. That work is, 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 is I'm contributing. There's something greater than me at play, I believe, mm. in my work. Like what, there's a prayer that Marianne Williamson uses. And I, one of the lines is, uh, you know, God use me as a vessel for, for which to produce and create, you know, change in the world, something like that. And that's what it feels like to me. So when we talk about balance, I think that it, it's it's a feeling for me. It's not about like how many hours I'm working. It's not about how hard I'm working. It's really a feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to answer this. I don't really have the words for it, but it's not even about necessarily enjoying it all of the time because there's times I'm working and I don't, I'm not like, yay, this is the best day of my life, but it's not soul sucking. 
and it feels good. And when I work hard in a way that I can rest easy at night when my head lies on the pillow, and I'm like, girl, good job. Like we did some solid work today, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that could be a, a long day. I'm not saying it's a, a three hour day. Sometimes it's a very long ass day more than I did again when I was in corporate. But it really is the feeling. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's it's satisfying. It feels good. Um, it's about the contribution. That's the word I'm looking for. For me, it's really about contribution, like we had talked about. So, you know, we'll get to, in the next question, we'll kind of talk about boundaries. And I think that's really important. I'm not saying at all, guys, that I'm a workaholic and I work all the time. People that know me know that I love to play hard as well as work hard. But when I am working hard, it is not about hours in a day. That's all I can say. Some some weeks I work probably like 80 hours a week and other weeks I work too. Um, it really depends. So I think the balance piece, at least for me, and I think you guys, Matt and Reno can relate to this is I don't like being overly scheduled. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I work these hours a week each week. And I, I always take time off on Saturdays and Sundays because I don't. Sometimes I work on a Saturday if I want to because I can and I feel like it. But that's the difference, right? Like I, I'm not overly routined. But I will say, I'm contradicting myself all over the place today, but I will say that routines are very helpful in the balance portion, which we can talk more about with respect to boundaries. Um, I'll leave it there for now because I think I've probably confused a lot of people. <laughs> you, you know what, though, Michael? No, you did you say you were contradicting yourself all over the place? Yeah. But, but, but this points to something. This points to something that I think is really brilliant, which is that... Um, the the dynamo the the sort of dynamic nature of of like work life balance it's yeah. nuanced it's yeah. non binary it's binary and non binary it's dynamic it's kind of it is black and white and it's also kind of colorful in a lot of ways and i think that what you just shared really points to that so not all all over the place but also <laughs> like understandably so and beautifully so yeah thank you Reno thank you mm-hmm. yeah i agree it's the uh, embodiment of the Gemini. It's, yes. We're always contradicting ourselves. And it's because we are a giant contradiction because we have two people inside of us, which is why people think Geminis are two-faced, but we're not. We're actually just like, we're literally operating with twins. We have two people <laughs> living in our world. Yeah. It's tiring, y'all. One loves it's rest. fun, but it's tiring. <laughs> yeah. One loves rest, the other one loves to work. So, I mean, the yeah. balance is, is like the great word, you know, nuanced. It's very nuanced for me. That's just yeah. the way I do it. And I'm not about to sit here and tell people how to how to get their own work life balance. It's really about finding your own, yeah, balance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I'm meeting this in my life right now because I think I've I've been a pendulum swinger, and I've been whew, right. Um, but usually, what happens is, um, you know, again, shame and trauma have swung me up, and then I've stayed over here, which is overachieve, work, 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 work. Um, very structured and rigid you know like what i've been practicing lately is because well because i'm so damn tired lately i'm like i don't make my bed in the morning i'm letting things just not be in their place in my home and there's a part in me that's like it just drives me bonkers but then there's a part of me that's like fuck i don't care right just let it go (laughs) so i think i'm healing this part in me right now and it's really interesting so uh, you know if i were to say what does balance like mean to me it's like it really is letting the pendulum swing 
you know, I, you know, this, this kind of perfectionistic mentality of, of balance is like, I'm going to walk this, this balance beam, and I'm just going to stay on it. And I'm going to be balanced in my life. I don't really think it looks like that. I think life is too messy to be on a, on a balance beam, right? Life's always pushing us in different directions and challenging us and getting us to expand and open. So how can we be balanced and centered always? So I think balance is like, it's about, work like like moving with the wind or moving with the current you know and letting it letting it take its course and having discernment right like is it time to rest is it time to work so i think like in order to have balance we have to have healthy discernment and we have to be coming from like a, a really true and authentic place within us being like am i doing this for image am i doing this for ego am i doing this for other people like right and start asking like how can i do this for myself like how can i show up for me um so if balance for me right now in my life is about uh, taking care of myself first and others second. That is such a foreign concept for me. Like it's, and it's, it's a game changer for me right now. But again, it brings up all the stuff, right? The, the codependency, the reason why I was codependent is because I learned from a young age to take care of other people before I take care of myself, because there was some sort of subconscious patterning playing out in my family system that taught me that. And, uh, so unlearning that's really allowed me to come into more balance. Um, so yeah, I think that's important. Yes, it's a hard thing to achieve, I find. Like balance is just, yeah, it's a lot. Especially like I can I can have a rigid personality structure too, which is like I'm, I get attached to things and I want to see them being a certain way. So it's like it can really test me in like so many ways when it's like, okay, it's not how I want it to be how can I just accept that it's over here and eventually the pendulum will swing. So it's like the universe is always trying to restore balance in the universe. And if we get too attached to one side of the pendulum, the other side of the pendulum can be, can cause suffering for us. And I've, I've had self-inflicted suffering most of my life because I was like on this side of the pendulum, looking over at the other side being like, fuck, you know, like, yeah. So that, that can be challenging for me. Even the way you just said it, Matt, balance is hard to achieve using the yeah. word achieve there right like it's something we have to hit at right like even yeah. the language it says a lot yeah yeah good catch thanks for pointing that out for yeah. me yeah. well i think it's everyone even even myself like if i feel like we have to we have to get there but really i like the way reno described it is very fluid like you kind of go here and you veer off and then you have your your guardrails which i guess are like the boundaries which kind of veer you back on but at least for me, it's never been like, oh, I've achieved it. Yay, I'm there. And then I'm in it forever. It's, yeah. it's I go off and then I come back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe, you know, I'd say discernment and flexibility maybe are the two virtues to practice that are underlying like healthy balance. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, question three, what boundaries do you put in place to ensure a work-life balance, Reno? Hmm. Well, I was I was reflecting on um boundaries and like I guess what what they mean to me and how the, how I relate to them. So uh, what I came up with is like boundaries are a way in which you know I'm I make it easy to experience life most optimally. Um, they're a way that I am able to prioritize and validate my experience and they allow me to love and honor you and love and honor me 
simultaneously, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I look at them. Um, and so like you, you use the word discernment and I think that that's a beautiful word mm -hmm. and a beautiful tool for, for navigating boundaries. Um, because I've really had to step back throughout my life. There are moments where life has actually just like grabbed me and like, and sat me down and had me take inventory of my life and assess where it is optimal and where it is not. Mm -hmm. And in that honesty, in that inventory, um, you know, I was able to, and, and from, from a, from that place of like, I, I guess clarity and recognition begin to, you know, begin to create boundaries in my life that allowed me to live most optimally. Um, examples of boundaries that I put in place. Well, I'm clear, more or less, I'm clear about what is a yes and a no for me? I think a, a, something I do really, really well is honor and validate and prioritize my feelings and my experience. So if my body says it's time to leave the party, I leave the party. If my body says like, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling this, like I honor that and I bring my compassion and curiosity to it. And if that means we need to like shift things up or I need to step away, then I'll step away, you know, but I think at the core and the foundation of all of this is a, a willingness to validate, value and prioritize like my feelings, my experience, my body, which can be really hard to do because it means that, you know, we have to trust, we have to trust ourselves and hold ourselves in esteem and regard, you know, hold our experiences and our feelings in esteem and regard. And so then my boundaries are cultivated and come from not like, it, like, I'm not, my boundaries aren't about you. They're like, they're about me. And, and they also serve both of us because I'm modeling um, what it looks like to prioritize my experience and love myself and as a result maybe you will learn from that you know because I'm teaching you how to treat me and that may be difficult for you but also you get to see what it looks like to love yourself and prioritize your experience and hopefully you take something from that right so um another thing is and this is kind of like on topic but off topic but you know we're coaches and one of the things that I have learned as a sort of boundary or kind of a filter even is like pricing and time and agreements, you know, like my pricing, for example, when it comes to my work, what I charge and how I value myself and my work becomes a filter for who is meant to work for me and who isn't. And in that, it kind of becomes a boundary as well. So like, you know, I, one of the things I'll see sometimes is like people are experiencing burnout 
because they're like taking on so many people, more people than they can handle. And they're charging at a level that no longer serves them. And so it's like, okay, cool. Let's raise our prices, Mm -hmm. you know, and then maybe that will like filter out some of those people. Right. And allow us to engage in, um, in, and, and experience the lifestyle, the desired lifestyle that we want. Right. Um, time like time boundaries as well you know it's like here's when I work here's when I don't um here's when I'm on and here's when I'm off and being really really clear about that why because I love and value myself and that time boundary is a reflection of that you know um and I think that's it for now. I think that's what I've got. There's probably more there. I And I think the last thing I want to say is like, I'm learning to ask for help and to admit when I don't know, which is like really hard, you know, because mm-hmm. I want to know it all. I love being someone who like knows it all, you know, and sometimes I do know it all. And sometimes I fucking don't, you know, and I'm like, I need help, you know, Um I excel at flow and you excel at structure. I'm struggling with structure. Can you help me with that? You know? Um, Yeah. I don't know. Just admitting. I don't know. So anyway, I'll leave it there, but yeah. Yeah. Love it. Thanks Reno. Yeah. The, the part about saying no, I'm so happy you said that. That's one of the things I had, but like saying, saying no, when it's a no is beautiful. You said it very well. So I'll skip that part of my share. Um, but I want to underline it. It's really important. Saying no is one of the most beautiful acts of self-care, uh, even though for a lot of people, it might feel very uncomfortable to to do that. Okay. So I'll be really specific and tangible in my answer here because I do have some things that I, some boundaries that I try to adhere to. I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm perfect at it. So the way that I, I work in my schedule um, is that I work three days a week with clients and I pack all my clients into those three days because when I'm on and I'm in coach mode, coach Michael mode, and that hat is on, I'm on. And I'm not thinking about content and I'm not thinking about my accounting and I'm not thinking about the GMB or the podcast. I'm thinking about my clients and just serving. So that is three days a week, which is the most I could do. And then I have a day that I work specifically on and focus on the Gay Men's Brotherhood and this podcast, the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast and everything that we do, right? So that's another day. And then I have one day as a floater day, which is, we'll see. I wake up and I'm like, how do I feel today? Do I feel like working? Do I need to work? Sometimes I do need to work and I can't really take the day off. Sometimes I go to the beach. Sometimes I go for a bike ride, whatever it is. But either way, it's a kind of floater day where I decide how I feel in the moment. And that's just my my Gemini nature. I don't like to be overcommitted, overscheduled. <laughs> and I have my weekend as my weekend only because everyone that I have my playtime with works Monday to Friday. So it makes sense that my Saturdays and Sundays are, are also off to be with them because otherwise it's very rare that someone's going to be like, okay, let's go to the beach on a Tuesday. Um, so that's kind of how I keep my boundaries in place with respect to my schedule. When it comes to time off and vacations, I would never end up in a situation now where I work for 365 days without a vacation. I don't know how, like, I, I mean, I was, I witnessed you on your journey of that. And and I, I yeah, I'm really happy. And I'm gonna hold you to it, Matt. I'm gonna hold you to your your commitment not or not to go that long without vacation. But yeah, yeah I, I like to take my vacations, whether it's just a weekend or sometimes here here's the thing with me though. I'll take a vacation and I'll bring my laptop and work on my vacation. 
like you, you guys have seen this podcast or my clients and I'll, I'll, I'll have that while I'm in Mexico or while I'm in Puerto Vallarta. Right. And sometimes I make the conscious decision that I'm going to be going on vacation, but I am going to do some work on that vacation. Other times I don't. And it's very clear. No, I'm going on vacation and it is a vacation. So last fall, I went to Europe for two weeks. I didn't do anything. No clients, no podcast, nothing. I was just off the grid. Um, and and again, going to what, what Reno was saying, it's really the feeling, like knowing what you need and asking yourself, is this <laughs> a yes, is this a no? Um, and then another one, which I'm very good at with respect to boundaries, is my screen time. And this pisses off a lot of my friends <laughs> and family. But I am very adamant. Uh, I try to keep my screen time to about three hours a day, average. Doesn't always happen. As I said, this is definitely not a hard and fast rule. Uh, I have my notifications off. So unless you text me, I'm not going to get notified of it unless I purposefully intentionally go into my phone and start popping on all the apps. And then when I do go in there, there's like a million notifications, of course. So I also have, this is the part that my friends say, I also keep my notifications on group chats off because I'm in like a lot of group chats and they're always bopping and buzzing all the time and I just can't handle it. So I just keep, I mute anything that's a group chat. Uh, I keep my phone permanently on silent. So don't call me, or if you do call me, it's going to just ring in silence. Again, pisses off a lot of people. Um, but this is all really important because I find for me, it's really easy for me to get distracted in my phone. And once I go in there, I go into one app, I go into the next app, and, and I'm in there for like next, you know, like four hours have gone by. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I got shit to do. So yeah. that's why I do that. And that's just a me thing, right? It's not easy for me to just open my phone, look at one thing and then put it away. I, I, I tend to get stuck in there. So the question is, what if it's an emergency that can't be good for business because you must have clients that email you? La, 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 la. Yes, that's all true. But I'd like to remind everyone that up until about 30 years ago, we have survived just fine without having people available to us on call 24-7, all the time. Emergencies happened. Big, wonderful, thriving businesses were built without cell phones. So it's possible. And so how do I manage legit business questions with clients that email me and whatnot? I don't ignore them. Right. I do dedicate specific time in the morning, in the in the evening. So in the morning, when I'm having my coffee, that's when I go through my emails. And here's the thing: what what I used to do is I'd be getting all these notifications and responding while I'm like, while I'm at the gym, while I'm walking down the street, while I'm doing this, while I'm doing that, and I'm giving them like half-assed responses. And that's not fair. It's not that's not good for business. Yeah. My clients deserve my full ass, right? So I give them full-ass responses in the mornings when I'm there and I'm present, and I'm like, okay, what do they need? How can I help them? Let me let me give them as much value as I can in this interaction. Yeah. Right. So it's it's more of a present response than a distracted response. So that's it. Those are some of my some of the ways I like, keep my boundaries in business and work. Mm. Yeah, I, I can definitely learn from you, Michael, in certain <laughs> areas for sure. So I'm gonna take that in. I'm kind of having a mini epiphany right now, and I want to share it because I think it's really important and it might help people. So this week I had a really intense session with my with my therapist and. I always thought my deepest like wound inside me was I'm not good enough. I've been working with that wound for a very long time. But in this session, we did a lot of deep somatic work and I met the, a wound deeper than that one, which is actually the one that feeds that, which is I am not wanted. And it's it cuts really, really deep, but I now realize what I've been doing to mitigate from feeling that wound is codependency is if I have this deep feeling of not being wanted or needed, what do I do? I, I, I'm, I'm, I, it's almost like I'm addicted to being needed. 
by people. I go into this profession. Why do you think I can't take holidays? Because there's this thing. It's an over sense of duty. Yes. But it's also this feeling of like being needed people needing me. And that was ingrained into me when I was nine years old. It's like, okay, you're the, now the main man you're needed. This is your role. Right? So this is interesting. It's really making me really realize like where some of this, the shadow sides of this wound and how it's showing up in my life. And, um, so I'm really working hard to heal this part of me, this like on this, this part of me that feels not wanted, right? Not letting myself belong um, is one of my protectors to feeling unwanted, right? But really inside of me, there's this deep, deep seated part in me that wants to be wanted, right? But I don't know how to let that, let that happen in a healthy way because it's also kind of terrifying, right? So I just wanted to put that out there because I'm really, really navigating this in my life right now. And it's, it's teaching me a lot. A lot of wisdom is within this wound. Um, so some of the boundaries uh, that I put in place, and, and I've learned these all just in the last few years. Um, so not meeting urgency with action and to learn to sit with urgency. I have urgency in my system. It's ingrained in my nervous system. Like I just have this, ugh, it's, and it drives me mental. And it's been, it's been so toxic for me, this urgency. And I've had to learn how to sit with urgency. So a good example of that is when there's emails in my inbox, when there's a conflict that's happening in my life, when there's red dots on my phone, all that shit, it creates urgency in me. And it's like, I, I feel like I have to produce or I have to, I have to meet it with my attention right away. One of my greatest or one of the things that I'm learning in this life is how to disengage, disengage from conflict, disengage from the urgency, just allow the urgency to just be there and not have to act on it. I think that's really important. So I've come up with this, this motto that I've been living by, which is I'll respond when I can. And I sometimes leave uh, messages in my inboxes for days and I've had clients less clients because I usually respond to my clients quicker but I've had some friends and stuff complain about this and being like you know and it brings up stuff for them which is maybe that they're not feeling their need of being wanted being tended to right so it's interesting how I'm mirroring these things to people by taking care of myself I give somebody an opportunity to take care of themselves right and or realize how they're not taking care of themselves um really powerful uh, some other practical things is, you know, not no weekend work. So I worked 32 hours on the weekends for almost two years. And I don't I haven't worked a weekend day since I as soon as I quit that, I said no more, I will never work weekends ever again. So I'm very strict about that. And I try my best to not be on my phone. And I disengage it's where I recharge. Um, eight hours a day is my cap. I don't work beyond that. Um, and it's, that's a hard one for me because when there's red dots and there's things and there's things that need to be tended to, and I've hit my eight hour cap, like there's this part of me that wants to tend to it because for me, I have a hard time sleeping at night when I know there's stuff, my brain will start to circulate and then I'll ruminate. Right. And then I don't sleep. Right. So there's this aspect of me that I'm having to learn how to let my nervous system settle, even when there's pressures and things coming on me. Um, and it's interesting as I'm implementing these things, my business is thriving. So with every boundary that I that I bring in and I respect and I, I integrate it fully into my life, my business goes to the next level of success. So it's almost like the universe is like testing me. Like, are you actually able to have boundaries and, and focus on your needs? And when you do, we reward you with more success. So um, I take a two hour lunch break. Um, 
I have been napping <laughs> every day, <laughs> which is so weird for me to say because the old me is like, you're a lazy piece of shit, right? That shadow part in me. And like, but then there's this new part of me that's like, oh, it feels so good. And I'm just going to keep doing it. So I'll usually finish clients. I'll have three. I'll nap for, for an hour. I'll have my lunch and then I'll have four clients after that. And that's my day. Um, and it works really well for me. And I don't tend to any other things on those days. Client days are client days. I don't do anything else on those days, which is really nice for me. Um, and then as to Michael, he's going to hold me accountable to this. I told him to hold me accountable to it. Um, I So I took the longest I've ever taken holidays in my whole career is two weeks. So this year I splurged, I took four weeks and it was the best thing I could have done for myself. So this week coming or this month or year coming up, I'm taking seven weeks. So I'm going to still take my four weeks, which will be all of August will always be off. I don't want to work August ever again. <laughs> and then three months on one week off, three months on one week off, three months on one week off and then full. So that works out to six or seven weeks a year, which is good. And I think I need that. And I deserve that. I deserve to take time to myself. So um yeah I'm doing a pretty good job at adhering to these to be honest um and I'm fighting that urge to like want to you know but I'm really I'm really grateful I just had this epiphany in this in this uh podcast because I'm like wow I'm really realizing how much this wound has been, been such a motivator to the way I'm showing up in my work which is in my opinion in unhealthy ways um so yeah grateful for that can I add one Matt Please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, work with people like Matt and Reno <laughs> if you can. Because I got to say, you know, we were supposed to do this podcast last week. Um, I was sick. And so on the day of, like, super last minute, I had, to, I had to tell these guys, sorry, I can't do it. I have to go to the doctor. Yada, yada, yada. They were so beyond gracious and understanding. It, it was hard for me, again, going back to that, like, oh, I don't want to let anyone down kind of thing. Um, but it really helps to have people in your corner, whether you work with them or not just loved ones who can keep you accountable and just remind you like, Hey, listen, this podcast recording for, in my example is like not worth going to the doctor to get your self checked out. So yeah. really important to, to have people in your corner. I agree. And you know, what's cool about that is that I was able to offer compassion for you. Yeah. And I was, it was, I genuinely was like, let's, it didn't matter to me really the old me a year ago, I would have kind of been irritated. Cause I would have been like, well, if I was sick, I would have just pushed through it and not practice self-care. So to see somebody practicing self-care when I'm practicing self-care, I have compassion for it. Right. So again, it's the mirror effect. Like how can I treat others when they're taking care of themselves will be an indicator of how I take care of my, you know, how I treat myself yeah. when it's time for me to take care of myself. That's so good. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking that with me because I, I get mad at people sometimes. Like when when I'm sick, sometimes I'll just show up anyway. I'll be like, you know, cleaning and doing things and whatever. And uh, and then I'll get mad when other people aren't matching my energy. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to chill. You know, mm -hmm. I just need a rest. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how compassion begets compassion yeah, you know totally. yeah yeah wow what an episode guys what an episode <laughs> yeah as usual yeah. thanks for your guys's vulnerability and insights and wisdom and lived experience mm. like honestly it's invaluable to me like i i feel the energy of your guys's shares and it really helps me 
kind of map. So like I had this realization because something you said, Reno, led into something Michael said, and then it helped me realize this. So again, these are like little mini therapy sessions for me. And I really value your guys' mirror. Uh, it's beautiful. So thank We're you. We're evolving out loud. Likewise. Evolving out loud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that. That should be the hashtag of the game and going deeper. Yeah, that's good. I think someone loud. uses it already. Be careful. Okay. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, um, yeah. Audience, thanks for, for tuning in to another episode. Uh, what are we at now? What's our episode number? I can tell you it is. What are we at? This is number 161. 161. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, we've been consistent every every week. Every week. 161 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you like what you heard today, please leave us uh, a comment on YouTube. Let us know what uh, what this topic brings up for you. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, give us a star rating, hopefully five stars if you enjoyed what you heard today. And uh, come and join us in the Gamers Brotherhood if you're not there already. And we'd love to see you come to our Zoom Hangouts. That's where you get a chance to to mingle with Reno and Michael and I, and um, yeah, they're 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 fun. They're beautiful. They're vulnerable. I was at two of them this week, yes. and they rocked. I went yeah. to two in one day. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They are amazing. I love them. So come and join us, folks. If you don't have Facebook and you don't want to join Facebook, you can go to our website, uh, Gaiman Going Deeper or GaimansBrotherhood.com. And sign up for our email list and we email the links to the Zoom Hangouts every uh, month so you can get them on our email list. All right. As Callum would say, peace, love, and rainbows. <laughs> peace. <laughs> Bye, guys.